Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. This is the New Books Network. I'm Jim Cates. Our guest today is Paul A. Thomas. He is a library specialist at the University of Kansas in Lawrence and a recent uh, PhD graduate from Emporia State University. He's been a Wikipedia editor for a number of years now and uh, has become uh, something of an expert on the site. Has just published a new book called Inside Wikipedia, how it works, and how you can be an editor. It's published by Roman and Littlefield. So, Paul Thomas, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to to chat today. Very good. Uh, Can you tell us, just to start, how you became a Wikipedia editor, and how did you come to write this book? Uh, as, As I understand, it all started back a number of years ago with a set of Encyclopedia Britannica. Yes. Um, when I was younger, my grandparents uh, bought me a copy of Encyclopedia Britannica. I can't remember the exact year. I might have mentioned it in the book, but you know, it was an older set from the 60s, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and I would read it all the time. And um, I was fascinated by the idea of you know all of the world's information being sort of boiled down into one place. And the big issue I had with it was that it was you know, it was outdated, of course, since you put it into print and after a few years, information changes or or things change. And the other issue was that there was only so much space that could be devoted to this, to, to content. Um, you can't include every single thing in a printed encyclopedia. So there were always little gaps in the, you know, world knowledge that I wanted to know more about that the encyclopedia didn't have any answers to. Um, and then my mom introduced me to Wikipedia um, when I was younger, after I'd gotten that in those uh, Britannicas. And she had mentioned, you know, wow, it's this new thing that anyone can edit. That's kind of, that's that's nuts, right? And so I looked it up and uh, I was real excited once I heard the promise of it, what it was, uh, you know, offering. And at the time I was super into Star Wars. So I was queuing up Star Wars articles, reading about, um, you know, my favorite movies and, and facts and behind the scenes trivia like that. And I was really astonished at how comprehensive the site seemed and how open it was um, because, you know, you weren't going to be able to find detailed coverage of popular culture in something like Britannica, whereas Wikipedia (laughs) allowed you to do that. (laughs) And so one thing led to another and I just started editing it and kind of then the rest is history, as they say. (laughs) Indeed. What kinds of people become Wikipedia editors? Now, they're not doing it for the money, because there's no money in it. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it for the glory because there's no byline in it. Uh, so they've got to have a reason. Why do they do it? That's a question I have long been fascinated with. And I think there are a variety of, of different reasons and motivations. Um, the people that I have met uh, that really get into it seem to derive just personal satisfaction from collecting information and sort of putting it all in one place, especially if they have a, a, a deep, passionate interest about something um, that might not otherwise be, um, that might not otherwise be easily discussed in like a scholarly source. You know, there, there are little bits and pieces of popular culture or even, even you know, history and, and, and uh, social science and stuff like that that maybe you can't quite get published in like a journal article, um, but that is still really interesting and still really fascinating. And so when people have sort of these pet interests, um, I find that, that Wikipedia is a great avenue for them to express themselves because it allows them to sort of take all this information that they want to get out there. Um, and it gives them a, a method to do that in a productive way. Um, but yeah, you're right. There is no like, there's no personal glory <laughs> and there's no money in it. Um, but the people who work on it are really, really dedicated. Um, and there are some people that myself included that are just super passionate about it and spend a lot, probably more time than we should <laughs> editing mm-hmm. articles. And you have made, I, I forget how many thousands of edits on hundreds of articles. 
Yeah, I think uh, when the book was released, I think it was over 60,000. I, I think I'm still kind of in that ballpark. But yeah, I've, I've edited a lot of different articles, and it's all over the place, too. I, I focus a lot of my time on popular culture articles, just because that's you know kind of my personal interest. But I've worked on articles about Latin literature. Um, I've worked on articles about um, television music, um, lots of just kind of random history. If there are articles about kind of strange or odd topics that I just think are interesting, I'll like to work on them. Um, so I have worked on a variety of articles that are just kind of all over the place. And as, as for working on Wikipedia, I, I guess one thing I hadn't thought about a lot before was there are many, many different ways in which an editor editor can engage Wikipedia. I think the the simplest thing, uh, oh my goodness, there's a typographical error. And if you're the kind of person who cannot abide typographical <laughs> errors, you can go in there and fix it. And that's an edit. Absolutely. There are articles that are that are labeled as stubs, and I've run across a lot of those. Uh, it's 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 incomplete. It's a start. It's a good good thing. There's a topic there, but it needs to be expanded. And then there are articles that need citations because Wikipedia is citational. You do not advance your own theories off the top of your head on Wikipedia. You rely on stuff that has been cited in uh, anywhere from newspapers to, to books to academic journals. And, and you provide notes for these uh, references so the readers can find them. And, and then there are people who, who uh, uh, expand articles, as I said, uh, people who, who uh, go in as copy editors, help in, improve the, the flow and the cadence. And, and then there are people who, of course, say there should be an article on this type. And they do go in and write them from scratch. So there are so many ways to approach Wikipedia. It sounds like you've tried probably many of them. Yeah, indeed. I, and I think that's that's a great point to touch on because um, when I talk about Wikipedia, I think a lot of people think that to be an editor means to just, you know, be constantly churning out new articles or to be, you know, writing just thousands and thousands of words a day or something like that. But sometimes, you know, when there's a topic I'm really interested in, I can generate a lot of content in a day. But often... Um, I'm just kind of bouncing around from different articles. And like you said, looking at typo typos and maybe making copy edits or adding a citation here or there. There's a lot of cleanup that I do. Um, and so Wikipedia editing is not like a one, you know, there's not one type uh, of, of editing. There are various types of editing. And that that's one thing I want people to be aware of because sometimes I'll talk to people and they'll say, well, I mean, I like, I like proofreading, but I know I can't, you know, add, I'm not really good at finding citations or something like that. And, and I just say, well, you don't have to be, you know, you can focus on proofreading or, you know, if you're not very good at proofreading, but you're really good at finding citations, you know, you can do that too. So it's very open-ended and you're not really sort of required to pick one specific style of, of editing, which I quite like. Yeah. And I assume you sort of find your style as you go along. Yeah, absolutely. It it's is like very- finding your voice. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much a kind of learn by doing. Um, one thing that I, I appreciate about it is that you can make mistakes. You can create content that maybe is uh, needs a little polishing, but instead of it just being deleted or, or like brushed away, other editors can come in and help you or, you know, revise and, and you can all collectively work together to create something that otherwise might not have been created if it was, you know, you just kind of had one chance to get it right, uh, like publishing kind of what mm -hmm. is. Yeah, the, the, the collaborational side of this is, is very interesting. You know, you can, uh, like me, I use Wikipedia all the time. And it, it, it's, it's a great place to start, for example, for so scholarly stuff. We always tell our students, yes, go ahead, use Wikipedia. Don't cite Wikipedia itself, but go down to the bottom and look at the references, <laughs> and that'll take you lots of good places. And it, it's great for that. Uh, how many people look at Wikipedia? <laughs> I remember watching The Crown on Netflix um, <laughs> Uh, a couple of years back, and, and I guess we've got another season coming, and so many times saying, did Queen Elizabeth really say that? And of course, <laughs> where where would you find this out? Of course, you're going to end up in a Wikipedia article Absolutely. about, you know, the Queen's visit to Australia, and, it's just, and you'll see what was real and maybe what was embellished. 
so there are many, so many ways to look at it, but overall, content on Wikipedia is written from what you call NPOV, neutral point of view. Wikipedia is not a place for conspiracy theories or conjecture uh, or political commentary. Uh, neutral, citational, which means, you know, assertions of fact, you know, the Nile River is X number of miles long, it must be cited with a reputable source. You, I mean, ideally, I think a peer-reviewed journal or book, uh, but also journalistic sources. And it's never original. It's not like you're writing fiction or uh, you know, novel theories of humankind. Um, you call it, I, I love this term, a complex informational rhizome <laughs> with no center or master index. It's not a free-for-all, definitely, because when we look behind the, uh, when we look under the hood with Wikipedia, we see, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on here, a lot of back and forth, uh, particularly when you go into the, the edit history of an article. But at the same time, Wikipedia is not all that hierarchical. Is, is anybody really in charge? Obviously, there's no great big office building with the Wikipedia logo on it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great um discussion point because I would say that behind the scenes there are definitely sort of unofficial I don't want to say power brokers necessarily but you know like people that have edited a lot who have kind of clout within the community they don't have any sort of official power necessarily but a lot of times people will defer to their thoughts or at least ask them you know or or try to get them involved in discussions Um, but that's I feel like you know the way a lot of things in the world are Um, but uh at the same time, they they still have, you know, one voice, one vote when it comes to discussions and stuff like that. It's not like there is a central power source, like you said, that, that can sort of unilaterally make decisions. A lot of what is done uh, on Wikipedia has to be done through a consensus with various other editors, people who are involved, people who are interested. Um, now, of course, the Wikipedia or Wikimedia Foundation sometimes will do like unilateral decisions, but those are pretty rare. Um, and that's usually pertaining to things like legal policy or um, formatting in terms of like the interface that recently Wikipedia pushed out a new um, interface that was um, kind of pushed through by Wikimedia. But those are but those are rare. It's usually groups of editors um, and some and people will sometimes say, well, hey, you know, the people that have been editing a long time are sort of like this. Uh, this inner circle of of people who wield power, you know, sort of behind the scenes. And again, that's that's true only insofar as the fact that they're the people that are active and are constantly, you know, involved in discussions. So maybe their voices are going to be heard a little more, but it's, again, just because they ha- are actively involved. Um, but everyone, at least in theory, is equal behind the scenes. There is there are like admins and administrators and stuff like that, but those are those positions are largely more. Uh, they often refer to them kind of like as janitorial positions in the mm-hmm. sense that they uh, they're trying to clean things up and make things easier and better for other editors. Um, mm-hmm. It's not so much that they are like you know a, a, a captain of some editor brigade or something like that. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I, I loved your line in the book. Uh, Congratulations, you're an administrator now. Here's your mop. <laughs> yep, that's uh, very common. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, very common to see people say mm-hmm. when an administrator gets elected, or uh, okay, yeah, here's the mop. Time to time okay. to clean up. <laughs> and as you explained, one gains, uh, I guess you could call it credentials on Wikipedia based on the number of times you've been in and the edits you've performed, and you have to be somewhat active to gain these credentials and. What's worth mentioning is that most people who contribute to the site are doing so under a username. So we know at least indirectly who they are, mm-hmm. uh, and not many people are go at it anonymously. Uh, many of those people are vandals. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so most people have a, a username. I would say that probably the vast majority of editors are technically anonymous, but they're but they're you know making tiny edits here and there. It's mm-hmm. the people who are doing a lot of edits consistently are going to be the ones that have those usernames and they do a bulk of the, of the, the heavy lifting, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, uh, you liken Wikipedia writing and editing to the Quaker consensus model, uh, from the Re- religious society of friends. I, I lived in Philadelphia for a number of years and I, 
uh, so I'm familiar with the Quakers and they had their meeting house was right near my place of employment. And I'm told the Quakers essentially, they have no formal leader. Mm-hmm. They sit and they wait. Uh, in, in the case of the Quakers, they wait for the Holy Spirit to move them and then someone will speak. And this, of course, can become a, a free-for-all. <laughs> yeah. There is not some sort of an understanding of how this process is to work. So, And I get the impression it works, well, probably at least most of the time on Wikipedia. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I would say so. It is one of those things that you kind of just have to have faith in the community that they'll uh, the people will behave. And to be fair, there have been some, you know, spirals and giant edit wars and debates and stuff like that. Mm. But oftentimes, editors kind of understand the assumption or the uh, the, the presumption of, of how a discussion is supposed to proceed. And so when it's obvious that, you know, one side is is kind of leading in terms of the discussion, often the people that will oppose will either kind of uh, withdraw from the conversation or maybe re- redact their comments or or maybe like uh, switch sides, but say like, I don't t- necessarily agree with this, but here are some suggestions about how to make it more appropriate for people like me who, who disagree, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the other side. Um, mm-hmm. Now, again, people will dig their heels in. I know I have. <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. like that's sort of a rite of passage for a Wikipedia editor is oh, to yes, get into yeah. an argument with someone. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is the hill I'm willing to die on. Yeah, absolutely. And people do that. (laughs) And and yeah, it is interesting that you mentioned that it can become a free for all because it can. And there there Mm -hmm. are delegates and there are, um, you know, uh, people that kind of are monitoring the conversation and will close it uh, when consensus has been reached. But they don't have like, you know, godlike authority to to unilaterally declare something, you know, yay or nay. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that that the site does function and functions decently in my opinion is, mm-hmm. is a testament to the, the willingness uh, for a lot, a lot of the editors to, to at least play nicely. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Wikipedia having a, a new interface. And of course this is what uh, I think the reason, uh, one of the reasons that would, would discourage vandals from doing too much mischief on the site is that it, it takes some effort. It takes some learning. It takes some patience. And this is the kind of thing that you, that you get better at over time. But there is a new visual editor. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has made it, uh, it certainly made it easier for newbies to just jump in and say, okay, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to get my feet wet. Okay. Uh, let me give you an example. I was reading, I was wondering uh, about the professors I'd had as undergrad and grad school. And I was thinking, are there Wikipedia articles on these people? And I looked them up and sure enough, there were Wikipedia articles. And from what I knew, they, they looked pretty accurate to me. And I saw one of my uh, professors from uh, University of Wisconsin, and I noticed that the article needed updating um, because he had he, he recently retired from the university and moved to uh, Canada where he is working on a new book. And I thought, well, that would be worth a couple of sentences saying what he's up to now in retirement. And uh, I thought I could go in and, and, and I could edit that. I could, I could put a couple sentences in there and, and cite it in a source and uh, presumably add something to the store of the world's <laughs> knowledge. Yeah. And I could probably do that through the visual editor. But as you note in, uh, in your book, to get into the, the, the discussions with other editors uh, and to, to handle some of the more advanced fe- uh, features available in Wikipedia, one, hill, one still has to know what's called Wikitext, which is sort of, I guess, sort of a version of hypertext. And it didn't look too intimidating. It didn't look as intimidating as hypertext, which I yeah. think is intimidating. <laughs> but it's, it, there's a learning curve here. And uh, how steep is that curve? That's a great question as well. And it really depends on kind of the the person and how long you've been around the community, because I was editing on and off for several years before I really dove in. And by that time, I felt like I I understood sort of the basics of how Wikitext worked. But if you are just sort of thrown in with with no knowledge of it, it can be very strange. Mm -hmm. Um, As you pointed out, it, it sort of makes sense if you look at it like... If you spent some time, you know, focused on it for a little bit, you could kind of start to see the patterns and how things work, but it still can be intimidating for people who are not used to that. And so 
um, the visual editor came along and presented a what you see is what you get sort of model mm-hmm. where people can edit text and add links and, and you know, italicize and make things bold and all that stuff um, without having to necessarily pop open the hood and stare at all the, the scary code. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I uh, myself often use the visual editor now because it is just kind of nicer and more convenient. And it's way easier to teach people who have never used Wikipedia how to edit the site using that um, visual editor rather than to jump in with the code stuff because that can scare them off real fast. But once you start to play around with it, like anything, um, it it starts to make more sense. And there is a pattern, so so it's regular in the sense of how you add links and how you add in references and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it can be intimidating, and uh, mm-hmm. and I totally understand that. And I think that's one reason why people often won't add references, or if they they do, the references aren't f- very good. It's because they don't quite know how to format those references, and they don't want to necessarily mess things up. So they just put in the information and then mm-hmm. kind of avoid citing stuff. Right, because I think you know dealing with students who write papers, you know, there will be people who ask. Is this supposed to be Chicago style or is this MLA or uh, uh, APA? And how does this work? There are citation generators, as I understand it, which would help. Uh, you can enter like the uh, the ISBN number from, for a book that'll generate a citation. I guess the thought is, as long as, the, yeah, it's like you say, if the information is there, here's the title, here's the publication, here's the date, um, somebody may go in and clean that up there are a lot of yeah. people with their with their sweeping with their little brooms in there <laughs> yeah exactly and wikipedia doesn't have um like a requirement that you use a specific citation style but they do have um wikipedia citation templates that will sort of do a lot of that formatting stuff for you uh so you know you provide the title and the author and that sort of thing and it'll remix it and rearrange it into a style that um can be used in Wikipedia articles and a little like a little footnoted reference and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. in that sense, it's actually quite nice um, how references work um, because often, as you said, a big struggle is figuring out the mechanics of APA or MLA or whatnot. Whereas Wikipedia has this, this one style that while not required is heavily preferred and heavily used that makes referencing a little more uniform and, and I would say easier um, mm-hmm. across the board. I think your your goal is you know Wikipedia has a voice. It it reminds me a little bit of you know when you would read the old Time magazine or Newsweek. The goal at those publications essentially was to make it sound as though every article were written by the same person, yeah. in the same kind of voice. And Wikipedia, I, I think, is evolving toward that. And I I, I don't mean. By that, I don't mean, you know, banality or anything like that. Uh, I mean, just very readable in the sense that, you know, there is a uniform tone, just as there would be in the Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned those very few articles, just a few thousand of them, that earn a gold star for the, the Wikipedia. I can't remember the term, the superior articles. or Fe- Featured article. Featured articles. What is a featured article? Can you like name one for us? And what makes it earn that level of admiration from other Wikipedia? And we're talking here like uh, I think it's about one in a thousand articles get yeah, that get that accolade, and that, so that certainly is high honor. H- how does one put together an article of that quality? Yeah, so featured articles are effectively considered the highest quality articles on the site. Um, they're often likened to a professional encyclopedia article. And the reason that they're considered that is because they actually go through a peer review process. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not double blind, like, um, like scholarly peer review often is, Uh, you know, an editor will work on an article and clean it up and get it to a place where they think it's in a really good condition. And then they will submit it uh, for consideration. And a a whole variety of of editors will jump in there and make comments, make suggestions, critique it. um, And eventually they'll either voice their support or they'll oppose the nomination. And if it, you know, enough supports, uh, if enough support is, is garnered, then the the article is considered a featured article. If, if, you know, there's too many opposes, then it fails and the nominator has to kind of go through the, the whole process again. Um, 
but yeah, there's only a handful of them. If you go to the main page of Wikipedia, um, on that main page, there's going to be a featured article of the day, which oh, is okay. just uh, every day. There's just a different article about a different random topic. I, I know the other day it was about a battle. Um, and then the day before that, it was about like, you know, a, a movie or something, you know, there, it's just different every day. And it really does kind of show you the variety and diversity of the editor's interests. Um, but the thing that I like about it is that it really truly is put through a review. People go through it, try to comb through the, the text to make sure it reads nicely, try to make sure the references are good. There's a lot of spot checking that will go on with both like image rights as well as uh, the accuracy of references. And so it is an, it's a good model, in my opinion, for, for how a variant of peer review can be done through a site like Wikipedia um, in a way that is not like closed down and completely blind so that there's kind of a communication and a dialogue happening. And we all know anonymous reviewers sometimes can be very mean for <laughs> no real reason. You've, well, you've got a doctorate. I'm sure you've been through that. Absolutely. And you think, what has this person got against me? Absolutely. And in the Wikipedia peer review, you know who your reviewer is. Absolutely. Yeah. Or at least, you know, the person's screen name. Yeah. And that's what I like about it because if, because there are some editors who will go in and, and tear your work to pieces if it needs to be torn to pieces, but there's an understanding that they have to do it in like a tactful way. Uh, They can't attack your intelligence or, or just like try to rip it apart for the sake of ripping it apart. They have to cite policy. They have to say like, here are some areas that have issues. And usually um, to be a good like reviewer and to be a good kind of critiquer, you need to provide alternatives or maybe go in there and help clean things up. I know that whenever I review something, I will make a list of suggestions and comments and things that need to be fixed. But if I myself see something that needs to be fixed, that's pretty small, like a, a typo or something, I'll usually go in and just clean that up and make a note of it or something. Um, but yeah, I, I the process... I don't want to make it sound too utopian because the process can get heated and like there can be arguments and debates and it can be uncomfortable at times. But since you sort of know who's who, at least their usernames, it encourages not to be just a total jerk to other people Mm -hmm. because you'll get the reputation as that jerk editor that's mean to everyone and no one wants to work with you. Um, And that I think interestingly enough, makes the end results stronger because you have more of a collaboration rather than an antagonism between everyone. Everyone wants to make the site better. It's not necessarily that one editor wants everyone to cite their work or, you know, to, it wants one ed- editor wants, uh, what, excuse me, one editor wants everyone to write in a specific style. You know, it's the entire community trying to do, uh, to create something all together. And I, I, I know we've come a long way in just the last few years. I've, I've been teaching at the college level for 17 years now, and I've had, we've gone from the place where people said, don't trust anything you read on Wikipedia, to now where they will say, uh, Wikipedia is generally accurate, it's generally re- reliable, it's a great place to start. Uh, your research, let's say you're writing a paper about, uh, you know, the American Revolution, you can start there. Don't cite it as a source, but look down to the sources at the end and see what the author is citing, then go to them. And that will give you sort of an overview of some of the literature out there, which is which can be very, very handy. And but still, we have occasional problems with vandalism. Uh Uh, I know, I, it's funny. I was thinking to myself, yeah, what what Wikipedia sites would be locked because of excessive vandalism? I'm thinking, yeah, I probably couldn't go in and just make some random snarky comments on the Adolf Hitler site. Yeah. Or the site about abortion mm-hmm. or the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, and I imagine... I don't know. Is Wikipedia allowing edits on the Taylor Swift article right now? Or would they simply be overwhelmed and the entire site would crash? Yeah. Because everybody's trying to put something on there at once. So vandalism is occasionally still an issue, but it's something that, at least as far as I can see, you control pretty well. Yeah. And and a lot of the... um 
vandalism is sort of proportional to the popularity of the article, like you said. Um, and because of that, there are a number of articles that have, they're locked. Um, they have like a little lock icon in the upper right-hand corner. And usually what that means is that uh, you can't edit the article unless you are a registered um, editor. You have a username and you've you know made such and such number of edits. Um, and that basically will prevent a lot of those anonymous editors from going in and, as you said, putting snarky comments here and there. <laughs> a lot of the big hot topic discussions, uh, like, like all of the topics you mentioned, are probably locked in some form so that sort of drive-by edits are not just <laughs> dropping in a bunch of random stuff or... or vandalism or or adding in information that could you know inflame tensions and make problems worse but yeah it it really does depend on sort of the popularity of of the article and the number of people sort of viewing it is going to just determine how many how much vandalism an article gets usually Mm -hmm. um but because of that these articles are being monitored which makes it i guess a little easier to catch stuff you know more eyeballs on it are going to ensure that less stuff stuff slips through the cracks. And also vandals are usually not very subtle with what they Mm -hmm. do. They usually will just go in and blank a page or they'll write some, as you said, snarky comment, or they'll just add in obscenities. It's pretty easy to spot uh, when, you know, a biographical entry is, is reading sort of normally. And then there's just a bunch of swear words all of a sudden. Yeah, that's, vandalism. Um, And so you can go in there and kind of excise that. And there are tools that Wikipedia has uh, developed that allow editors to make like quick uh, reverts to previous versions of a page so that you don't have to like manually go through and uh, undo stuff. Um, And so a lot of times vandalism is not on the site very long. And as as I understand it, uh, many Wikipedia editors consider them sort of the the guardians of certain sites. They go back and they watch them. They watch what's happening to them. I understand that you are one of the leading experts in Kansas on bats. <laughs> I, I guess you could say that, yes. <laughs> your, your, your famous Wikipedia article, Bats of Kansas, <laughs> which you suggested as a possible title. Yeah. And this, is, as you said, is like a 17,000-word article. And I think, well, bats are very, very important creatures from an environmental standpoint. And they're flying mammals, which makes them kind of unusual. And they are fascinating creatures. And you, I assume, periodically go back at that. I don't imagine people would be tempted to vandalize the bat page. You might have a few, uh, well, Halloween coming up, you might have a few remarks about, you know, vampire bats and Count Dracula and stuff like that. But generally, that's the sort of topic that people will leave alone, I assume. But, yeah. uh, but, but many Wikipedia articles, uh, when Wikipedia editors, I guess, has their favorites, and they sort of watch them. Uh, yeah, it's like, absolutely. It's, they're children. You know? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> way of putting it. And, and sometimes that can become kind of a, almost seen as like a gatekeeping thing. Like mm-hmm. there are people that will monitor articles to the point where they prevent other people from adding good content to them. But when I monitor the articles, I really try to just sort of restrict it to catching content or catching edits that are going to disrupt the information ecosystem, you know, that'll that'll mess up the page in terms of how it's written or presenting information. If someone goes in there and adds new information in, you know, I, I welcome that and might go in and like tweak some edits uh, if they, you know, have some formatting that's askew or something like that. But I don't want to just go in and be like, no, this is mine. You can't, you can't play with it. Um, Mm -hmm. And in fact, with the bat stuff, um, one of the articles, the article for the big brown bat, um, I worked with another bat editor, a bat aficionado to get that up to good article status, which is like a step below featured article. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was an interesting instance where, this person was also working on bat-related articles and sort of guard. I don't want to say guarding, custodian. You know, you're like uh, being a custodian of these articles. Um, and I went in and talked to them and said, "Hey, I- I'd like to add some content to this page. I see that you, you know, edited a lot. Um, would you potentially be interested in collaborating with me to to, to nominate it for this this sort of uh, this review?" And and we went from there and we got it to a good article article status. So a lot of times when people are monitoring articles, it's just to prevent the vandalism. And if they 
do jump on edits and are a little, you know, too quick to maybe revert a change or two, if you just go in and talk to them and say, oh, hey, you know, I was wanting to make this change because I found this source or I had this idea, that almost always will neutralize a problem. Um, communication on Wikipedia is the big thing, especially when it is those like, maybe not, maybe bats aren't the hot topic uh, uh you know, article to that that's getting a lot of vandalism. But if it is something that is being heavily vandalized, if you just go in and talk to the editors involved, or or open a, a section in a, a talk page and discuss um, your ideas, often other editors will be at least open to to hearing you out or engaging with you. Um, if you show that you have sort of goodwill and that you want to make the site better, even if you're a newcomer, uh, even if you don't maybe know the rules. 100%, as long as you are trying to proceed in good faith, that is really the key to, I would say, succeeding, um, especially when you're starting out. One thing I uh, uh, that surprised me about your book, I found enlightening, was that I, before I read this, I tended to think of Wikipedia editors as sort of lone wolves. <laughs> you know, you picture somebody hunched over a laptop in the middle of the night, you know, and, and as sort of a loner, a voice in the wilderness, etc. <laughs> I, I learned from your book that there are some social aspects of this that are pretty intriguing to me, both in person and also online. You mentioned, for example, the the phenomenon of what you call the edit-a-thon, <laughs> where a lot of editors will get together in a particular geographical area, this is a personal meeting, like a like a meetup mm-hmm. uh, in a, a library conference room or someplace, someplace with good broadband access, little room to work, uh, access to reference materials, and they'll just spend a weekend like together editing stuff and getting to know each other in the process. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of fun. Um, yeah. If you're an, an academic person like me, I know that, that sounds interesting and. Uh, and, and and there are there are projects that uh, you mentioned. The uh, was it? Uh, I believe it was Women in Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need more biographies of interesting women in society uh, yeah. throughout history, not just today, but going all the way back. Where we want to create more content in that way. And there's a group that does this as a, this is their thing, and it's what they do. And, and, and then, of course, there are people who uh, say it's such and such a subject area is overlooked or new or emerging, and they specialize in that. So these are sort of either in-person or online communities. And this is an a- aspect of Wikipedia I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, it, it does seem when you're doing it that it, it can be kind of that lone wolf process. I have been hunched over my computer late at night, you know, typing away. Um, but there are you over time you start to meet other people um, digitally or in person uh, that are interested in the same weird things that you like. For instance, the Mm -hmm. other editor uh, that was interested in bats, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, there's not that many of us out there, but we found each other online and you start to make connections. And sometimes you start collaborating with one another, especially if you're have that similar interest. Um, Maybe you have, resources that you'd like to share. Like I have some books on a specific topic and they have some books that I don't have. We can, you know, share information or, or, or exchange, um, scans of magazines or what have you. And then, yeah. And then you can also meet people in real life, um, through the edit-a-thons, through meetups. I've, uh, organized a few edit-a-thons and it's been interesting because it's been a, a library and it's just been a group of people sitting around a table with, a uh, with reference material around us, just kind of chatting and, and discussing what it was that we wanted to improve or what it was that we were editing. Um, and you get to learn a lot about different people and kind of figure out their interests. And especially if the edit-a-thon is themed around something, I often like to hear where other contributors are coming from in terms of how they approach that topic. I know that I did uh, an edit-a-thon about, it was uh, for art plus feminism, and I worked on creating an article about, um, I can't remember the names of the individuals. I just, I found a book and I went through and kind of created articles for some, some indigenous artists who were women. And then, uh, my, my wife, who was also taking part in the, um, edit-a-thon, she edited some articles on popular books, uh, young adult, uh, fiction books written by 
a female author. So it was, you know, kind of different approaches to this one topic, but still we were able to meet in person and discuss it and uh, kind of see how everyone was viewing that driving central mission of the edit-a-thon itself. And so I do think that Wikipedia, while it can be um, kind of a, a you're on your own at times, there is still a community that you will be interacting with, with. And if you pay enough attention and spend enough time working on the site, you'll probably find yourself talking with other people or um, getting involved in debates and discussions and that sort of thing. And as you mentioned Wikipedia editors can be glamorous. G-L-A-M. Galleries, libraries, archives, museums. These are four kinds of institutions, not just in big cities, but also in small towns Mm -hmm. all over the world that have a lot of stuff that can enhance Wikipedia. I I was, as as a historian myself, particularly struck by the idea of archives. I've worked uh, pretty extensively in the archives at the University of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Historical Society. They have incredible treasure troves of stuff on uh, the movie business and the broadcast business, mass communication uh, papers, original papers, quotable stuff, uh, 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 drawings, photographs, uh, stuff that could be uh, you, you know, entered into this this Wikimedia Wikimedia Commons that that could be used uh, for illustration, and then of course small town historical societies. Every little town now, it's quite amazing. I was looking at it and does my little town have an article on Wikipedia? Yes, it does. And I think it certainly could be enhanced by something from the local historical society. So there are a lot of opportunities there to take this stuff, which is sort of, you know, just a lot of times just sort of gathering dust in these places and make it digitally available, which you know essentially makes it I- immortal in that sense and something that can always be accessed. So there are yeah, that's yet another avenue of approach for the potential Wikipedian, I think. Yeah, and I think that appeals to a lot of um, you know local or amateur historians, especially because, as you said, there are a lot of small town archives. You know that that one museum that's open for two hours on Thursday that has uh, that's newspapers. our museum, yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, that that's all history. You know, that's yeah. all legitimate, fascinating stuff that might not be yeah. as groundbreaking or you know as uh, monumental as information published in, you know, uh, from a more reputable, or not reputable, from a more, um, like from a bigger city museum or something like that, but Mm -hmm. it's still legitimate history. It's still Mm -hmm. legitimate information. And there's a lot of richness to that, that I Mm -hmm. think could be added to Wikipedia and that could Mm -hmm. make the website even stronger and more, um, useful because you take this sort of local knowledge, you source this local knowledge and you put it into a website that aggregates global knowledge. And suddenly you have added to that entire sum. Um, I know that I, when I was younger, I was like really fascinated with the concept of ghost towns in Kansas, since I'm from mm-hmm. Kansas, mm-hmm. and doing a lot of research into that. Um, there's so many stories about, uh, so, so many histories of small towns that did major things or played major roles in in sort of uh, certain historical um moments or conflicts or what have you that have disappeared and now we don't really hear a lot about them and so with wikipedia you have the uh, ability to take that information find it and then kind of convert it into a readable prose summary and then put it online for other people to to learn about very good stuff i i think for example of uh as a historian there was an enormous boom in the writing of local history in 1876 with the centennial of the United States. And so many small town libraries, you know, these old Carnegie libraries still have these books on their shelves that were written at the centennial, you know, about the pioneers and such and uh, of all these towns. And much of this stuff is paper materials can turn to dust after yeah. time. Preservation is a big problem. It's a way to save this stuff. Absolutely. And, and yeah. especially um, even if it is digitized, uh, sometimes it's scattered about in a way that's not easy to access. Like for instance, I recently created an article about um, an individual who was, I guess, kind of in name only a union uh, captain during the Civil War. He was a Jayhawker, but he kind mm-hmm. of just robbed everyone. His name was um, Marshall Cleveland. 
And he, he at the time was kind of a big deal because he was like a bandit and causing a lot of trouble, but he didn't have a Wikipedia article. And I was finding little bits and pieces about his story in uh, newspaper archives. Um, you know, I'd see his name here and there. And it was technically accessible because people could go to those archives and read them. But there was no centralized way to access all that information. And so I created an article and I started to stitch together these references so that there was this one coherent place that people could go to to learn more about this individual who caused trouble, you know, 150 years ago and was kind of a big deal. But nowadays we don't hear a lot about. And so it's a great way of helping uh, to preserve information, even if we think it's already kind of out there already. Um, because it brings it together and unites it and puts it into one spot um, and consolidates it into a way that makes it easier to read and access. And you mentioned Wikipedia is global, or we want it to be global. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the symbol for Wikipedia itself is this this globe made up of all the pieces. And you mentioned that Wikipedia has problems with systemic bias. It's not it's not malicious. A lot of times it's not really conscious, but it's just that things tend to ref- uh, uh, written materials tend to reflect the people who write them. Mm-hmm. And with the case of Wikipedia, it is uh, the worldview of white male editors in the global north, uh, particularly the, you know, the United States and Europe. And sometimes we favor more recent stuff over earlier stuff. I saw you mentioned that the uh, uh, the the Simpsons has not that uh, nothing against the Simpsons. I love the Simpsons, but they've gotten more they've got more words about them in Wikipedia than do the entire works of John Milton. Yeah, and you think that seems rather odd, and uh, so there's a sort of recency bias there. And you ask uh, you ask editors to think about being more global, more inclusive, uh, to do it consciously. And your phrase for this is, is a critical editor, become a critical editor. How does, uh, and, and critical studies are, you know, very much in, in, in the, the spotlight now, certainly among academics in, in all sorts of endeavors. How does one become a critical editor on Wikipedia? I think that the key to being a critical editor, uh, at least in my view, is to consciously engage with the idea of, of, of editing and what it is that you're creating and, and what it is you're focusing on. And so I know that, that uh, for years and years and years, I just edited kind of whatever interested me. And that's fine. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But once I started to stop and say, okay, well, I'm focusing a lot on like popular culture and stuff, again, that's recent stuff that has largely been written, um, by, by, or about white guys, you know, maybe I could write some different stuff or like, try to create articles about different cultures or, or different, you know, peoples that, that uh, I'm not just sort of defaulting to. And so I've tried to go out of my way and I'm not going to say that I have perfected it because I haven't, you know, I still have struggle with my interests in recent pop culture, but, you know, I've tried to create articles that have focused more on non, non male individuals um, on cultures that are not, you know, just uh, North American or European. And I found that there's a lot of, there are huge areas where there's information out there that just Wikipedia does not include. I think a great example of this would be um, I started to look into Egyptian history and granted there has been a, you know, interest in Egypt for a long time in, in Europe and North America, but it's still strangely a topic that is underdeveloped on Wikipedia largely because there seems to be an absence of coverage of like Arabic sources and stuff from the middle ages and when I was trying to work on specific uh, articles about, you know, little ruins and sites and stuff, I had to dig up books that were in diff- completely different languages other than English that were not covered anywhere that are still, you know, useful, still have a lot of really good information. But just because they're not a part of that sort of global north, not part of what people from the global north think of when they think of uh, sources to be used, um, They just weren't being used, basically. Point, I I guess, I want to make is that it it really does require someone to stop and think and and say, what is it that I'm working on? Are there any, like similarities in the things that I'm working on that are feeding into those biases? And are there ways that I could maybe edit that counter those biases or at least try to 
undo some of the unnecessary focus. Um, and that's hard. That's very hard to do. It's not, not something you can just sit down and be like, Oh yeah, you know, I've been doing this and this and this, and I should do this, this, and this instead. Mm -hmm. You have to really kind of consciously make an effort. And in the book, I, I outline some ways that can be, that can be done. I discuss some methods that, that, uh, allow people to, um, try to undo some of that bias. But again, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to focusing and thinking about what it is you're doing, being sort of critical and conscious of the edits you're making and trying to think how the con contributions that you are making to the site are not just impacting the world, but also representing it. Because there's a huge amount of the world that is not North America and Europe that is not covered. And that does not seem right. You know, that seems a little off. And Wikipedia is in how many languages now? Ooh, that's a good question. I'd have to look it up. I know, I don't want to say it's in hundreds, or at least over a hundred. Um, let's see. Let me check. I'm going to go on Wikipedia. <laughs> they should have an answer for you. Yeah, I know that it's quite a few. Let's see. The article list of Wikipedias says that there are, as of October 2023, there, have, there are 335 editions with... Uh, 322 currently active, so uh, several hundred languages. Of course, some of them are much larger than others. So translation, you know, and of course, translation, we're not talking about machine translation here because it's not the same. <laughs> you know, it's no. like translating a poem or something. It, you, it, you can't feed it in word by word and it's going to spit out a good copy. You have to capture the spirit of it. And of course, to do so requires a certain amount of cultural awareness. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I guess that's the spirit of Wikipedia. The more we know, the better. And the yeah. more we know about more things, and particularly things that are different from our own experiences and backgrounds, the better. It's a, it's a good in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, encouraging people to contribute to different language versions of Wikipedia or to translate from one version to another is another great way to cover a lot of those absences. The English version is not the entirety of the website, and there are articles in other languages that are not covered on the English site. Uh, that gap could be filled with some translation efforts. And so there is a lot of potential to, to bridge different languages and different cultures, all within the spirit of the sort of Wikipedia project. Well, I think we've uh, left people with a lot of good ideas for those who might wish to think about this as a as an avocation of some sort. And uh, as is clear, this is not for everyone. I, I think you're probably, the, you think, uh, as an academic librarian and certainly as an, an autodidact, which is a word I'm using a lot with my students. I said, be an autodidact, teach yourself, uh, learn something that you don't necessarily think you have to learn, but just because you think it's interesting. And that is the way to, to broaden your world. So, Absolutely. Uh, so thank you for your good work and your, your enhancement of the, the Wikipedia site and your work with others and, and sort of getting the word out that this, this is an ongoing project. Uh, no article, I guess, is ever truly finished, especially as you know the world continues to change. So we will uh, watch uh, for, for further developments. So it's good to know. Paul Thomas, the author of Inside Wikipedia, How It Works and How You Can Be an Editor, published by Roman and Littlefield. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me.